Okay, well, joining me for another of the uh, half season 21 22 uh, reports is uh, Gregor McGregor, known for uh, his coverage of Bristol City on uh, Bristol Live, but now uh, freelancing for Bristol World. And if you've not been to the Bristol World website, have a look at that because there's lots of interesting content there, not only to do with sport, but across the board on life in Bristol. But there we go. Gregor, um, Welcome. I've got to ask you one question. You're a dad now. Um, how, how's, how's fatherhood treating you? Yes, OK. I, I think before we started, I was apologising for my backdrop because I've been evicted from my man cave where I had some football books behind me and everything, various football paraphernalia. And uh, essentially that's yeah become the nursery. So uh, instead you get this dreary backdrop of our second bedroom i'm afraid i just moved my shirts and everything out of the way before i started so uh <laughs> yeah that's that's my life at the moment okay it's your life at the moment well we're speaking four years ago to the week almost to the day maybe depends when you're listening uh, this that uh, it finished bristol city two manchester united one and then they think they won the game on boxing day and uh you know is it a bit harsh to say it's all gone downhill a bit since then, Gregor, I mean, we were talking beforehand about Mark Ashton is seen by many as being the pantomime villain. But, you know, they were good times, you know, and the following season, you know, were it not for a second half capitulation, maybe we'd have done it then. But all downhill in four years or is there some good in that? I think, well, the general trend is, yes, it's gone downhill. They've regressed, haven't they? You can't argue with the league finishing positions, looking at the talent on the pitch at the moment, the way they play football. You can't, you can't say any different that they've gone backwards. However, as we all know, game to game, season to season, there's always highs and lows. So within that time, yes, they've had some minor successes. Uh, they've obviously had some, some deep lows as well. I mean, yeah, obviously that cup run, Carabao Cup run of 2017-18, massive highlight. I think it's exactly, yeah, four years ago tonight, Corey Smith was scoring the injury time winner. Remember it so well. And obviously they went on to play Manchester City. They were, they were in contention for the top six for a lot of that season. And they were probably for the next season as well, although maybe not to quite the same extent. I think they finished eighth, wasn't it, the year mm. year after? Um, and, and Lee Johnson built a decent side with Mark Ashton. People tend to um, skip over that that bit a little, a little bit. I, I just think fundamentally they didn't get things right in terms of recruitment and spending on wages. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be speaking about this again shortly. Mm. But their wage bill has been too high. They, they didn't get the financials correct. And that's sort of landed them in the, the bad position they're in at the moment. They've got this tremendous pressure where they've had to reduce the wage bill um, in the summer. I, I think I've seen a lot of people saying that apparently they, they managed to cut it down by a third. If they've done that, that's that's huge. They've got a, a middle-ish, uh, middle-of-the-table wage um, level um, uh, uh, that they spend every year but their finances just can't keep up with that. We all know that Steve Lansdowne puts in somewhere between sort of 10, 13 million pounds every year, maybe slightly less just to prop up the club. Uh, and he's happy to, to do that, but there's not much else or he's not willing to spend any more on the pitch. And he, ca he can't do because of uh, the profit profitability and sustainability rules. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. They did some things correctly under Ashton and Johnson, but they, <laughs> they, they didn't get it all right. And those latter decisions have led to where the club is now. Um, but there, there were some good times in there as well. Definitely, definitely. I mean, the half season, uh, 23 games gone, 
27 points on the board. It's fine margins in football at the best of times. And if we'd have emerged victorious from uh, the game against Huddersfield at the weekend, we'd have been sat there on 30 points halfway through the season. And then like a decent improvement, you might make a late challenge for the playoffs. But here we are. We lost after being a goal ahead. Um, and, you know, everybody's looking down at what we're ahead of rather than up and what we might aspire to. What for you has been the good aspects? Because on FBC podcast, people say we can be a bit negative, but they admit that we tell it as it is. What have been the good aspects of the 21-22 season so far, both on and maybe off the field as well? I think the, the young players coming through definitely for me. I When I look at Bristol City at the moment, I, I kind of think I can see where they're going. I think they've got um, the last accounts were were pretty bad, a loss of 10 million. They're due to announce the next accounts, I believe. Well, they announced the last ones last January, so it could well be that the next ones are um, announced this coming January in 30 days' time or something, although they might leave it for a bit later because Steve Lansdowne has already said they're going to be horrific. He knows what's what's what there. and he's It's probably going to be about 35 mil, isn't it, Greg, or roughly? It's, it's, it's going to be dreadful because, obviously, the last account's only... Um, only accounted for a very short period of the pandemic this next one is going to include basically the season without crowds so yeah that's going to have a massive impact on the finances the EFL have already said that they will give a bit of leniency over the last two years accounts um, because of the effects of Covid and everything Um, however it it, it meant that they were a bit hamstrung in the summer we obviously had 13 players out of contract um, and they, they obviously shed a, a large number of those. I think it's, I mean, one of the low points, I think, is is seeing Jamie Patterson leaving the club and doing so well just down the road. But I guess they had to make these difficult decisions with with the um, basically deciding on wages and how they were going to restructure the club and maybe looking to the long term a, a little bit more. And, and I believe that is what they're doing. And they're not really looking at this season. Remember, the club has said consistently it's a three year build. That's why they gave uh, Nigel Pearson a longer contract. And and I think this year is yeah is difficult, and I I, I do sympathise with supporters because I don't think it's great football on the pitch, but I do see things getting better over the longer term because you've got this nucleus of young guys who I I think are, are re- some of those guys are really talented, and um, the likes of Alex Scott, Eamon Benarouz, we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to those more mm. later. Um, I don't like the business they did in the summer, but I see those guys, the older guys who've come in as essentially just sticking plasters. So unfortunately, I think you've got to grin and bear it this season. I think they'll be safe. Um, and yeah, the football's pretty stodgy, but but let's go with it. And, and I think they'll be all the better for it next year. Yeah, I mean, you say the football's stodgy. And when Nigel Pearson came, he said he wanted to play front foot attacking football. I mean, he was a defender. Um, we're having a problem keeping goals out at the moment. We talk about attacking in a minute. And, you know, if you look at the defence, yeah, I mean, or just look at the shape of the side, we, we saw against Huddersfield bizarre team selections, you know, where we had, never mind Alex Scott playing as a right wing-back, we had Eamon Benaroos playing as a, effectively a left wing-back when we had Cameron Pring, so say, not ready, and Jada Silva on the naughty step, maybe with Casey. But what, what was all that about? Because, you know, you could still be compact, even allowing for injuries. It's strange team selections there. And Cameron, 
not ready? What does that mean? Is that wimping out of it? Yeah, that's my probably my main worry, really, for Bristol City, is that whether Nigel Pearson is the right manager to bring through um, a nucleus, a core of good young players. I'm not sure if he's quite the manager to do that. And I, I think there's definitely question marks over how he's proceeded this season. And you're right, those players... As you say, on the naughty step, it's it's just a little little bit old fashioned, little bit bizarre. Maybe how those guys have just been well, pretty much discarded of late. I mean, Jada Silva, how do you feel? As you say, how do you feel if you're him sat on the bench and you've got yeah an, an 18 year old playing in front of you and he's never played that position really? He's an attacking midfielder. I kind of get. Um, the tactical side of it, because at times, if you can push back the opposition, then if you've got a more creative player there, somebody who can do something, a bit of flair, then that's fine. But are Bristol City at, the, at that point where they're dominating the ball, the game? No. We're not a possession-based side. No. You know, just look at the stats. You know, We're lucky if we muster 45% plus, aren't we, really? So it's a, it's a strange one. And Riley Towler, I think, has been reported, uh, well, not has been, it's fact, He's coming back, um, you know, to bolster that left side because he played until he was uh, unceremoniously dragged off by Nigel Pearce. And he's done that a few times, hasn't he, with the youngsters. And I heard somebody who was sat behind a dugout say on Saturday after the third goal had gone in, which he didn't blame Ben Aroos, it was um, Atkinson. And it was like, get him off now, you know. I mean, and that was a player he paid 1.6 million for in the, and that, in today's football money, that was a big signing, wasn't it, Atkinson, for that sort of money? It was. I, I do really like Atkinson, I've got yeah. to be honest. I think he hasn't been himself recently, um, and there's a couple of reasons for, for that. Supporters don't always hear the full story with everything. With Atkinson, um, he's, he was ill um, before the end of the year. Um, I think Nigel Pearson has spoken about this and and he was out for a, a couple of weeks. I think it was mostly over an international break. Mm, so that's it, right. It, it's one for the, the club to clear up and uh, it, it wouldn't take a, a genius to work out maybe what kind of illness is most prevalent at this time of the year going around at the moment. So And he's come back into the team and he's maybe not been quite the, the same player um, that, that, he, that he was just then and, and that can be natural because maybe yeah you, you're out of the side you, you lose that match sharpness and everything but I do I do like him I think he's a really quality player I think he's been a good signing I think he's only going to get better what he's 23 at the moment yeah. he's to play so well I, I think City really the, the bigger picture is they've got a little bit of a problem at centre-back anyway because obviously Nathan Baker's come back and he's had these head knocks What's happened to him? Is he is he going to be coming back or, or or what? Could maybe do with a bit of clarity from the the club. There, that sounds but... a bit serious with Nathan, though, doesn't it? If you read some reports, I mean, I don't think it's sort of like career ending, but we don't know. You've also had the Robbie Cundy situation as well. That you know he got thirty odd games for Gillingham last season. He would have been there. Would you have thought? And again, players on the naughty step or M Nigel's marginalisation. Do we have a recall on Taylor Moore? You know, and could would Taylor Moore have been a better player to bring back than Riley Towler? Possibly not, because Taylor's on the right side. But do you think he has a future at the club, or do you think he's somebody that if he don't go in Jan, he'll go in the summer? It's an interesting question. I think I think it's expected that he's going to stay up in Edinburgh 
And um, obviously, Nigel's already said at the beginning of the season that he was open to offers, essentially. It wasn't exactly those terms, but he said he was open to making that a permanent deal. So for me, the writing is on the wall there. Heard a few, I've heard a few rumours myself about um, certain players being available for, for, for transfer. I think that sort of ties into what we were talking about before, that they haven't got a lot of money to spend because they've got this high wage bill that they're trying to bring down. And because of the accounts over the last two years and then uh, well, the next one they're going to um, release, um, they're under a bit of pressure really on the, on the financial front. So if they can sell players, then they will do. I do wonder if that ties into... Yeah, the way that Jada Silva, Casey Palmer, Narky Wells are all being treated. And and maybe, yeah, you'd have to assume, well, in fact, Nigel Pearson's already said he'd be open to to selling Taylor Moore, essentially. So, so, so he's not got a future at the club. You said about summer business being questionable. And depending on which way you cut it, you know, if you say players that were out of contract that were signed, Nigel did sign seven players in the summer. Um, Simpson, King James, Atkinson, and then re-signing of Baker and Vyman, which I'm new signing. But I was chatting to Chris Honor uh, earlier. Danny Simpson's proved to be a bit of a waste of a wage, and I said, "Was he was he uh, Nigel Pearson's um, Chris Brunt, just like Chris Brunt was with Dean Holden?" That's not worked out, Danny Simpson, has it? Really? Not at all. I, yeah, I. I... My three problems with Nigel Pearson are the lack of a consistent um, system that we've seen because we've, <laughs> d- we've we've yeah dallied between yeah four at the back, three at the back, various um, people in various positions, etc. Secondly, is the way he's treated some of the fringe players. If he's not able to sell these guys in January, then it's not exactly great motivation, I don't think. Calling them out, throwing them under the bus, as some supporters would say in press conferences after games. Yeah. Um, and then turning to the youngsters ahead of them, it, it looks pretty evident to me that he, well, he obviously doesn't fancy those players. What the only thing I would say um, for Nigel Pearson is that my from the feedback I've had from people speaking of people is that he is actually very very fair minded, and that if you can impress him in training, he will put you in the team and he will give you a chance. And no player is ever completely written off, even though it looks that way. And I, I actually think Nigel said that himself as well in the presser at the weekend that if these guys could impress him enough on the training pitch, they would come back into the reckoning. And and yeah, the other the third. Um, Point is, as you said there, Dave, that yeah, his his summer signings. It was obviously a trust issue. He need he wanted to work with players that he know he knows um, the likes of King and, and Simpson. But yeah, for me, they're, unfortunately, I just think their legs have gone. And um, there's no. And way you're saying the same applies to Andy King as well, because he's talking about him being available for Luton against Boxing Day, assuming it goes ahead. I don't see how a player at 32 has been out for three months. You know. Probably about that length of time. You know, if he comes on the bench, maybe you can get 20 minutes out of him. But, you know, you, you, you in the old days, players used to play a couple of reserve matches before they were fit for first team action, weren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we don't, yeah, we don't see it so much. I don't think they've <clears throat> been having too many behind closed doors games. Yeah. I, I, I just think certainly Simpson, I see him, he'll definitely leave at the end of the season. They've got George Tanner in. Um, with King, I don't think he's done enough to stay any longer either at the moment. And a um, mm-hmm. few question marks about him. Uh, maybe yeah. on occasion he, he has shown what he can offer, but but I think he's got to do better. And mm-hmm. I actually think I've been a little bit disappointed with Matty James. I, do, I do, do you know what? You took the words out of my mouth there. I was just going to say, 
should we expect more from Matty James? Because he's had some games where he's been the talisman figure that we'd expect. And others, I thought he was a bit invisible on Saturday against Huddersfield, to be honest. Is that is that what you're saying? Too many games like that where he's not imposed himself for all his experience? Yeah, maybe not quite as far as that. Yeah, but he's an important player in this side. And I think he does... I think he does offer something on the pitch, even when he's not always on the ball. He just reads the game well, but he's also um, such a character on there in terms of, yeah, you, you can see him instructing some of the younger guys, et cetera, et cetera. But, but yeah, I, I'd like to see him do a bit more. I, I was, a, I am a massive fan of his and I think he did brilliantly at Coventry, maybe not quite as well at Barnsley last season, the first half of the season. And I don't think he's reached those levels yet. Maybe it's because he hasn't quite gelled or maybe it's because Nigel Pearson keeps switching up the system. But I think, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I, the difference with Matty James is though, I think that we will see that from him. I think there is more to come from him, and, but I'm not too sure on the other guys. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, Hanoa Masengo? I mean, Chris says there's obviously a player in there. He felt he runs around a little bit in midfield. He missed his marker for the first goal on Saturday. It's not like him to switch off because he's a high-energy player. As Ian points out on the podcast and others have picked up on 60-odd games now, um, no goals, no assists. What is Masengo? Is Is he somebody that, come on to this in a minute but a definite starter in your best Bristol City available 11 yeah I, I I'm loath to use the term such such as definite start because I always think it's a squad game you just can't play every game in the championship these days with with 11 13 even 15 men you do need that full squad I think competition for places is always a healthy thing so so yes he would be a key man for me but the point I'd say is for me, he's a phenomenal talent. Phenomenal. 20 years old. Look how many games he's played. He's 20 yeah. years old. Let's not forget that. You know, he's, I would say, is he ready for, for championship football? He certainly wasn't when he arrived. Um, he did start pretty well, um, maybe faded a little bit the next season. It, I just don't think it helps him being in and out of the side like for many players. And again, he's maybe another guy. Who, if you're switching between two or three in the middle, that maybe doesn't help you. But I do like him. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Yes, he would play a lot for me uh, and I would build around him. He's another guy, one of these young nucleus of, uh, of good players at the club that I think they need to build around and, and convince to stay and, and let them grow. And hopefully they take the club with them. Yeah, take the club or indeed they get sold for uh, decent money. I mean, without a doubt, Joe Williams has been, you know, when we've seen him play, and we've seen more of him this season than we did of last, you know, He's some player and he's got the personality. He could probably be skipper as well. But, you know, five full games in 18 months, yeah, when he plays, it's the difference between us looking, you know, a good side and like we are at the moment, a bit like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's vital that we we get him run a run of 10 games would be nice to get out of him. What a loss he's been. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sort of. A positive and a negative there for me because he's shown this season at times what he can do, but we just haven't seen quite enough of it. Um, yeah, following on from from last season and and where he hardly played at all. I think he only made one league game last season, didn't he? And yeah, absolutely. As you say, though, he's shown that he can play against several different positions. He was playing out on the right, wasn't he, at one stage as well as in the middle. Yeah. He's got that character, that drive, and I could see him being, yeah, the fulcrum of the side going forwards and 
yeah, just hopefully they can they can get him right physically because that's the only real doubt about that's him. The, that's the worrying thing. If we were in a relegation battle, which I think with Chris we agreed we weren't, unless we really fall down in form. But you know, you wouldn't pin your survival on him if you didn't think that he was going to play in at least fifty percent of the remaining games of the season. Uh, on a, uh, we were talking about uh, Tyreek Backinson, and he was a little surprised that he got the contract extension, which came the week after he scored a goal. He's not somebody that you would see naturally as a uh, a Nigel Pearson type player, but here he is. He's extended the contract. What are your thoughts on Tyreek? You know, there's a decent player in there somewhere, but again, it's about application and doggedness, hardness, and what have you. Yeah, again, uh, I'm not too sure. How old is he now, Dave? Do you know offhand? 21, he... maybe, 22? 20... Yeah. 22. 22, right. I yeah. Uh, I, he is, I, I like him. I think he's got positive sides to his game. And I'm always one who, who looks at what they can what they can offer rather than what they can't do. Uh, and for me, I think Nigel Pearson has maybe found that position for him, maybe that sort of, number 10 kind of role playing just slightly advanced of your holders I don't think he's um, a man for sitting in front of the defence as Nigel has quite often used the, the two there I don't think he can play that uh, role quite well enough not sure he's quite mobile enough <clears throat> reads the play well enough my, my thing about him is I, I've never seen quite enough intensity from him on the pitch maybe he's just too laid back as a character but he has got skill he strikes the ball so well he's got goals in his game I think he was third or fourth what top scorer last yeah. season which is no no bad thing for for a young player so yeah again I would keep hold of him for the moment I'd work with him I, I don't think I, I, he's not for me, ruled himself out. I wouldn't get rid of him or anything like that. No. I would work with him, see see if you can um, get him. Well, he's here for a, he's here for a while now because of that contract extension. Now, one player we haven't mentioned, well, we mentioned several players we're not mentioned. I'm trying to go back to front, but I'm going back, or I could be in the middle anyway. Zach Viner. I was just checking uh, on Wikipedia. Nailed on in any of those positions, but as we say, you have him on the bench. He's not going to let you down. And he has moments where he loses concentration, but he has sublime moments as well where he can play penetrating balls. What is Zach Viner's best position? And do you think he's a Nigel Pearson player? Uh, for me, Viner, well, actually, let's, let's start with a championship season. For me, you're always going to need five or six centre-halves, central defenders across the season because you're always going to get some injuries. You've always got to rotate the squad, have some freshness. So, so you, it can't be just about three guys. Otherwise, how do you how do you keep the other guys interested? And what happens if one of those three guys is suspended or injured, whatever? So you need these guys. Zach Viner has shown enough for me to, to play at the back there, but I don't think he's a first-team regular. I wouldn't be starting him every game, but I'd be working with him. Now, people say that the defenders are at their best in the, the latter stages of their career when they've got that um, now that, uh, that, that knowledge of yeah the dark arts, et cetera, and et, et cetera, we can read the game a little bit better. So I always think there's improvement to come from defenders. For me, I'd play him right, I would still play him right centre-back, but as you say, I think he can fill in several different positions. I think when I saw him originally uh, under 23's level, he was such a beast on the pitch. He was one of the most aggressive players um, uh, without the ball that I've ever seen, which was fantastic. 
And I think I'd like to see a bit more of that in first team football. I think it will come eventually, but he's just got to get a bit further down the road in terms of his career, that confidence and everything. It's very easy to, 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 to blame these players, criticise them when maybe they're coming in and out of the team and you don't know 100% what, what else is happening in the background. He might not feel that he is necessarily a Nigel Pearson um, player at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it, someone like Viner, though, he's so well loved in the changing room and he's and he, he's come through the academy. These sort of guys are the heart and soul of your football club because they know everything about the, the club and everything. And they'll 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 be there. You can in harsh terms, you can probably retain them as well on, on wages that aren't quite up there as well, which is important when you've got to factor in your, your wage bill at a championship level for profit, profitability, et cetera, et cetera. So. I think it is really important they keep Viner. Yes, maybe not start him, but use him to plug he's holes. That good, he's that good squad utility player. Exactly. Callas, again, it was mooted at the weekend, you know, that he's trying to cover for Zach when Zach's maybe not on his game. Um, he's got inexperience in Atkinson alongside him on the left, and Atkinson inexperienced in his, well, we just said, inexperienced himself, trying to cover that left side, particularly when Benarus was there. Do you think Callas is trying to be in three places at once and that's compromising his own game? They took away the captaincy from him last season and he's not really a leader in the bigger team sense. But, you know, what do you think of uh, Callas this season? You know, is he trying to spread that expertise too thin and therefore not being as good as he might be? I think he's done OK. That's the general view, but others feel differently. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think he's done OK. I think I feel a bit sorry for him because... The problem Bristol City have got, in a way, is we're so reliant on maybe several several key players in the team, the likes of Callas and and maybe even Rob Atkinson. And there was a great point I read on Bristol Live, actually. I think James Pearcey had written about saying that this guy Atkinson, it's only his second season playing playing league football. I think it's his first season in the Championship. Yeah, yeah, we're relying on these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Twenty two games he's played. That's all he's played at Championship level. Yeah. And one season at Oxford, wasn't it? Yeah. So exactly. We, the problem is the 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 build of the squad, the nature of the squad, and that's a financial thing or decision related thing at the top of the club. Um. So, yeah, I think Pearson's sort of hinted at this. He's kind of tied his hands are tied a little bit there. Callas, yeah. There's so much pressure on him to to cover these guys because yeah, he he's got the likes of Viner coming in and and maybe making the odd error now and again. The only thing I would say about both Callas and Viner actually is that when I was watching City recently, I can't remember which game it was, a few games ago, and Viner was playing. Oh, it was against them um, Birmingham. And they were trounced three 0 up there, and Viner was playing in the middle, and I could not understand that decision whatsoever. Because for me, he's a right centre back. He's he's right footed. I think he's fairly good at progressing the ball occasionally. Yeah, maybe just punts it occasionally into the wilderness. But he's not a central bloke. He's not the man no, right in the middle. No, absolutely. Surely Callas, with with his athleticism, with that spring that he's got, with his reading of the game, his experience, he had to play in the middle there and be more naturally coming up against Dini. What what happened was you had Viner against. Dini, a duel that he lost and, and City then lost the game off the back of that but if it had been okay he'd been over at the right centre-back position and Dini had wandered over there which is what I actually think happened at another stage in the game okay if he loses the duel fair enough but at least it's not in the middle and you're probably going to um, end up in a situation that's not as bad as if he's uh, yeah losing yeah. losing uh, a ball right in the middle of the pitch yeah let's move to the front end and uh, we've well I say front we've already talked about Scott and Belarus who are 
undoubted talents. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they are, you know, players. They've just got that special uh, thing. Scott, his ability to win uh, fouls in a uh, realish uh, style is to be admired. And Benarus has got a little bit of devilment about him as well. Britain's been farmed out because he's not fit enough. And I think he's bought into that. I read an article again, it might have been on Bristol Live or the forum, where he's he's gone off to Woking. He's going to try and improve. Um, Andy Vyman, I mean, Chris pretty much said unprompted what I feel that, you know, if he if he could be a bit more controlled in possession, he'd be a hell of a player and he wouldn't even be playing for us. But he's got nine goals and four assists this season. So we can't really fall. Three players to talk about Semenyo, Martin, and Wells. Semenyo, he's starting to show a bit what he can do. He's getting his shots away. He's still very raw, but he's starting to look all right, Antoine, isn't he? He is. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. And yeah, I always thought this season he was right to, was, he was just ripe to bloom and, and really take to the championship. And uh, I sense a, a real confidence in him and in his play. He's willing to take players on and maybe do a bit more like we saw last season away at Huddersfield when he came off the bench and he turned that game around. I thought he was really good at the weekend with those yeah. two assists and um, that, that'll help his confidence again. Um, let's not forget, he's obviously coming back off some injuries. He had surgery in the summer. And uh, there was a bit of speculation about his future then as well, which maybe didn't help. I'm not, not too sure. Um, but I, I really like him. I think he's a, a player who can get better and better. Again, he's only 21 years old, though. Um, and I'd like I'd like to see a few more goals from his game. But I do think he's um, pretty creative. I think last season he had quite a few assists in the end as well. So, yeah, uh, he's done, he's done he, all right. You've got oh. a player there, I think, who, who yeah, really does suit maybe the wide forward position. And he's got power, which frightens defenders, yeah. And again, a little bit more controlled in possession. It should be OK. Um, record signing, Naki Wells, 5 point, uh, Three million. What was it? Two years ago now, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was never as prolific as some people try and make out. If you get down amongst the detail, he's had probably two good. But and he's also on Twitter. He's done a little bit of anti-vaxxing stuff. I mean, again, outside the scope of talking about City. Do you know what percentage of the squad is fully vaccinated, or is that really? private stuff because it's been publicised in national media. Uh, it started off at 68%. I've just read in the last hour, Premiership, it's up to about 78% of players are vaccinated. Is Naki Wells not in the side because a manager doesn't like him? Is there a vaccination issue, some of the comments that he's made on there? Because realistically, you should, you know, you should be playing the guy who's costing the most money and on one of the highest wages. What's all that about? We spoke to Nigel Pearson off the back of his um, COVID problems that he had himself earlier in the season. And we specifically then asked him about what it was like to be working with players, some of them um, who, who didn't believe in vaccination. And fair play to the manager. He, he maintained that he was, um, it, it was a, a personal choice. That's the way he saw it. And, and that everybody had to make their own decisions. And yeah, Obviously, that's the case with Narky. He's, he's he's posted things online um, indicating that he's uh, basically not not for vaccination. It's funny enough. I don't know if you've seen Dave because you might have been recording on here, but the club has put up a video today of themselves all going down to um, Nailsea having their. 
boosted jabs today. And uh, and they say, the club says that they're now 95% um, oh, well, all, all vaccinated, which is incredibly, yeah, that's incredibly good. That's good. Heard a few rumours of, of a couple of players not being there and they've put up a, a couple of pictures and a couple of videos up and it's one of those where you work out which, <laughs> which players are missing. So, uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Naki was was one of those guys not there if that's not um, the route he wants to go down. But I think as a club, 95% is probably... That's pretty right, good. No, right that, that is good. I mean, somebody made an interesting point, nothing to do with Naki, but... Uh, if fans have to go into grounds with a COVID passport, what about players going in uh, to grounds with uh, <laughs> yeah, unvaccinated full stop? Yeah, there we go. All right. I mean, I've saved the best till last, if you like, but the uh, player causing most consternation in the eyes of uh, City fans, Chris Martin, um, 32 years old now, undoubted professional, proven championship player. But he's played in all but 20 minutes, I think I read somewhere, of championship action. He's out on his feet. You know, he looks like he's out on his feet maybe early on because he's not the quickest. Chris Honor has said that, you know, he's never going to run and beat a player in a sprint. But on Saturday, for instance, with Tommy Conway, who of the crop of youngsters coming through out and out forward, you'd have thought he'd have been given given Tommy Conway a run out for, for 20 minutes. Why does Nigel persist? with Chris Martin flogging him to death when he could have a variety of forward combinations like he seems to do in defence. What's all that about? Yeah, absolutely. Don't understand it, really, to be honest. I, I mean, Chris Martin, for me, again, I think he, he's actually been... I know that a lot of the fans get on his back and he's got his limitations. Um, undoubtedly, he's, 30, he's 33 years old now. Uh, so yeah, he's in the twilight of his career. I actually think he's had a pretty decent season in nine goal involvements. I think it's four goals, yeah. five assists, or the other way around. Um, in 23 games, and he, yeah, as you say, he's flogged, he plays week in, week out. Um, that's not right. They need and, and for Bristol City to improve, they and, and Nigel Pearson has sort of said about this in the summer, they need quality up front. They just can't afford that or get it in at the moment. So they've got to make do. I think it, it just doesn't help Martin when the, the fans are getting on his back. So, yeah, feel sorry for him. I think he's done tremendously well this season. Anyway, I would definitely keep him. I think he'd be a tremendous backup. Imagine if they brought in a really quality striker, which I think the, the club does recognise they need. I think John Lansdowne has already... Um, suggested that they're going to buy a striker. They've basically just got to wait. I think they've just got to wait for the next accounts to get out of the way, really, so they mm. can, in the next account... Well, they probably, they probably talk about transfer window in a minute, but they probably know what the next accounts are like anyway. And, you know, we'd, we'd say there's various names being banded around. But no, I mean, Chris Martin, what a player to bring on for the last 20 minutes in a game. And you say, exactly. go out and give it some, son. And, you know, he's not he's not going to let you go. So, what, what I haven't mentioned so far, I wasn't a We've been saying for six years as a player in there somewhere. Um, Callum O'Dowda, winger, wing back, consistent, inconsistent. You know, will the real Callum O'Dowda stand up? But we've been saying that for well five years now. Yeah, I I do think left wing back is his strongest position, I, and yeah, for me, he just. He can beat his man, but too many times I just see the cross hitting the first man or not finding a red shirt. For me, I think he's had enough time now at Bristol City. I think I think he's one of those guys 
he probably needs to move on for his good and probably for the club's good. I'm not is sure. he out of contract in the summer? I was going to say, I'm not too sure if he is one of the guys out this coming summer. I've got a feeling it's the year after. I've got a feeling he might be out of contract this summer, but they might have an extra year um, option um, to be confirmed on that. Um, I think it is out there. I've seen it published. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I would seriously, I think for everybody's um, benefit, really, I would... Would maybe look to to move Callum on, and I think you, I think you're right. He probably him. needs it for his career, and then it just give me somebody else not to moan about. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of the fringe players that we haven't mentioned. Well, only one really. Said Tommy Conway's uh, is 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 back to fitness now, and you know he's going to get game time. I would think between now and uh, New Year, or maybe the Cup game as well. Um, what about Saku Jana? You know, he scored a couple of goals in a debacle at Forest Green. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I've not seen him play uh, a, enough to make a judgment. You probably have. I mean, what are your thoughts on him? I like Seku. And yeah, I'm again, he's another guy I'm surprised we haven't seen a bit more of. Because when he played in that Forest Green game, he's probably the only player who emerges from that game with any credit really and a couple of good goals what what more can he can he do you know and I actually thought he played pretty well in pre-season as well he was one of the standout guys for me in a wide forward role and yeah he's, he's another player he's gone out uh, previously and, and done well on loan albeit at, at a low level I wonder if they might look to loan him out again um, for the rest of the season, if he's not going to get a look in. But um, yeah, a little bit surprised because of his athleticism as well, because Pearson has spoken about the need to find explosive players. He, he's the sort of guy that he's not too far, probably, from Antoine Semenyo's level. If if you let him develop in, in and around the first team, maybe giving him minutes now and again. And uh, I don't know, it, it might be the case that he's maybe had a little knock across the season and that we don't know about. But, Another Albert Adoma in the making, potentially, as well, you know, because he's not got the physique that uh, Antoine's got. But Adoma was quite a late developer as well, wasn't he, when he cracked it, really? And he's he's still doing he's still doing all right. I said to Chris, um, what, and, and, and you've said, we, we've all said, Chris said it as well, you know, what is, what does a Nigel Pearson side look like? Yeah. What is your, if you were, I said to Chris, Nigel gets abducted by aliens on uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, you've got you've got to pick a side to play Luton. Now you've already said it's a squad game, and Luton away on Boxing Day, tiny little pitch. You know they're going to be running round, right? But assuming you have no Joe Williams, right, and no Nathan Baker, yeah, what? How do? You, how would you line up? against Luton or against QPR for that matter. You know, what 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 is the best Bristol City lineup that would be defensively sound and with Nigel being a defender, you'd think that part of it would be right. So how how would you line it up? Well, first off, I think Bristol City's biggest problem at the moment is yeah, the the chances they're conceding. And I don't know if you guys ever look at the expected goal stats, uh, basically the chances being created and Bristol City are bottom of the championship for that, as in they are conceding the biggest chances per game 
across the championship. No other team is worse. So uh, you, you, that obviously shows that they, they're way, way, way too generous. And, and you're not going to get very far, obviously, from, from that point of view, unless you can um, sew up the holes. So they've got to find a way to stop the opposition getting shots on goal. And yeah, maybe they've got to look at plugging up the midfield a little bit more. Maybe, I don't... They, they sort of said at the beginning of the season that the squad was fitter, but I'm not too sure we're seeing much evidence. I don't, th- I don't see anything to suggest we are fitter, to be honest. No, you know? absolutely not. And I, I thought at times maybe they were early doors, but I'm not sure we've seen that of late. And yeah, so for me, it would be all about stopping those chances coming against you. So I'd go for, and I, for me and Nigel Pearson's side normally, Ideally for him is a four-two-three-one sort of setup. He has spoken about wanting to play four-three-three in the future. However, given the personnel, and I think you've always got to look at your players to find what's best for them and to find a system that obviously makes you the sum of more than your parts. I would go for yeah five, well, sorry a three-five-two, and um, so remind me again of who your I can't... three. Your three is as as was your three is minor. Callas and Atkinson, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm then right. your midfit, well, it's almost how he's lining up, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment, because your front your front two then, are you saying Martin and Semenyo, or would you try something different? I'd probably go for, yeah, possibly. Depends how you want to play. I think I'd go for um, Semenyo and Vyman, but obviously yeah. you're, you're losing the that focal point of, of your attack. But then again, you've got Chris Martin coming on for the last 20 minutes of games yeah. rather than rather than playing the full 90, where I th- when I think he could be maybe at his, well, could have maybe the most impact. So that's the way I'd, I'd do it. Um, I'd agree um, with that. So your midfield five, yeah, because again, you've got, now let's assume Callum's fit, right? So the definite starter, the two definite starters in midfield, well, the one definite starter is Matty James. Agree? Yeah, yeah, agree. And then Hanno and Masengo. Yeah. Depends on the game for me. Because uh, for me, Masengo, what he brings is energy and, and legs. I wouldn't be surprised if, he, in fact, I'm pretty sure I've covered this in my time at Bristol Live, but the amount of kilometres he covers on the pitch is more more than a, than, than a lot of other players. So if that's what you're looking for in certain games, and it might be that you're up against a team that doesn't run so much, um, uh, that you can get away with it, in which case you might be able to, and this is what I mean, you might be able to play a Backinson or someone like that where you're not going to need to outrun the opposition. You're not going to need to press them as much because maybe they're not as dangerous on the ball. Yeah. So so it depends on the opposition. But yes, that's a <laughs> long, long answer. But yes, I'll agree no. with you, Masengo. He's got to be in there. So that, that's terrible. Do you play Callum to give you, you know, do you, do you, I know I can play on the right side, Right. So you could go, I don't think in the two in the middle. So Hannah and James, do you play Pring with Callum outside him? And then on the right, to make up the five, you play um, Scott. Scott has to be in there, doesn't he, at the moment? Yeah. Is that, you know, or is that, yeah. too, la- is that too lopsided to the left with Pring and O'Dowder? Or do you, does O'Dowder not make it? Pring in there to give... Uh- Extra cover. I'm going to make myself sound like a madman here, but I wouldn't rule out myself. I wouldn't rule out Casey Palmer. And I know that... <laughs> I know. I, I know. Let me make my case. 
I know that Nigel Pearson doesn't fancy him and, and he's and he's basically made out that he's not doing enough on the training pitch. And I know that fan, some fans will say, yeah, and this is consecutive managers now. Um, I think Lee Johnson was the same, made, made out that he didn't do enough on the training pitch. But when you look at the in-game stats, Casey Palmer stands out as a man who, who is effective. He, he, he wins more tackles than anyone in the middle. He, he beats more players and he's creative. And yeah. I, for me... If he's doing it, it depends on the situation, but if he's doing it on a Saturday, I would give him a little bit of leeway. I'm a man manager. This is my Ferguson Cantona moment. You know, I would give him that bit of leeway and say, okay, KP, whatever's good for you, depending on the situation. You can't build a culture that way, but I think that kind of stuff, you do it over time. You're saying it's highly unlikely, but you'd play him anyway, sort of thing. Yeah. Because it's, it's an obvious one to, to play, you know, it's an obvious one to play, isn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd play him for I'd play him for half a season for when he was and, and when he does well, then I'd sell him in January. Then then you've got a bit of money coming in, everybody's happy, and 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 then it is difficult. It is, it is difficult. You just don't know. I mean, I like the idea of a four five, a four five one, yeah, and you know, if everybody's fit on paper, a four five one, it looks half decent, you know, because you're then struggling to get. You know, there's a few players. You think, well, where do I fit him in? Because he's good, that type of thing. But we're never going to. I don't think anybody's ever going to agree on the right side. And he's always down. The window, the window's coming up. Um, yeah, the window's going to coincide with the accounts coming out showing the big loss. Um, people keep talking about. You know, you've just said it. Uh, we need a striker. Um, there is no point in bringing a player in unless he's going to be better than what we've got. So it's somebody that's got to come in and fundamentally take Chris Martin's slot in the team, yeah? The one name that's been mentioned is a lad at Rotherham. I spoke to a Rotherham fan the other, the other week and just said, we're being linked with your guy. And he said, he's all right, but he's not a championship. And I think he's 30, so you're going to give him a three-year contract, uh, probably less than certain other players would get. That strikes me as a, a, you know, a club in the bag, yeah? City have got to think bigger in terms of getting a striker. So what do you think is going to happen in the window? Chris suggested perhaps even nothing if Nigel's not going to go down the club in the bag approach. What do you think? I think I think that they'll look at loans. I heard that they were looking at Premier League loans and I think that would make a lot of sense if they could find, like ideally, another Tammy Abraham is what, is what you're looking for. Um, and, and the effect that obviously that he had, it would be a tremendous um, sort of, Sticking plaster, as I mentioned before, just to get them through to the summer. Maybe even something could come off the back of it. Uh, and that way you can bring in somebody maybe who's, who's a little bit more effective than, than Martin up front. And and you haven't got to pay a, a lot of money for it, although we all know that there are costs involved with loans these these days. So I think the club is looking that way. I think they'd be mad if they weren't looking that, that way. So there's not, nothing huge. There, there are some strikers um, uh, that have been talked about in the champion, um, in the Premier League who a lot of championship clubs are already being linked to, the likes of Balogun, uh, um, Arsenal. And no doubt there'll be stories about Keenan Davis, who Bristol City were looking at last January as That's well. That's the Villa guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, the Villa guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if he joins Dean Smith again at Norwich. Um, so that's that's where I think they'd look at. Um, in a so that's, that's, that goes against the grain of what the manager likes because the manager doesn't like loans, does he? 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. But maybe he's got to yeah, suck it up for a little bit because, as we as we know, they haven't got the money there to do anything different. I don't. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no way they're going to spend four or five million less, even three million or something. But here's like a plan. Now, here's a scenario that, you know, not laughed at when we were talking on the podcast post-match, where we were talking about signing. And this was maybe even a couple of weeks ago after we'd had that decent run at home. And I said, we might even start looking towards the playoffs if we have a good Christmas. Uh, That's probably where people started laughing. But if you look at the kitty from Rotherham, yeah, and he costs probably 800 grand in a depressed market, and you're going to sign him on for, let's say, eight grand a week for a three-year contract and nil value at the end of it. So eight grand a week could be 10, but let's be conservative and say eight. That's 1.2 million. That's 2 million pounds spent. Agreed? Yeah, Over, over the duration. He's not going to excite people, and he may not make a difference. The one player in Premier League that I thought, well, you sign him on loan, you sign him on loan for the balance of the season, 20 games, yeah? And he's on 50 grand a week where he is at the moment, yeah? And he's not getting game action. And you say, right, we'll pay half the wages. That's 25 grand a week for 20 weeks, half a million quid, right, for the balance of the season with no commitment at the end of it, yeah? It would excite the fans a little bit. I give you Dwight Gale of Newcastle. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Can see, yeah, that's a, for me would make a lot of sense uh, all round. Sort of player they should be looking at. Maybe he's coming towards the end of his career. I think how old is he now? Is he thirty one, thirty two? He's, he's probably about the same age as he, he's probably about the same age as uh, Naki Wells. But I would say. As an explosive player, it was like Naki Wells on steroids. I remember when Newcastle came down and we got a 1-1 draw against them the season they went up at home, early season. But the goal that he came running down the middle, you know, explosive uh, finish. You know, he's not got the injuries that the Connor Wickhams of this world or Rhodes and people like that have got. But that, to me, would excite the fans a little bit and wouldn't cost the club as much as signing... A maybe player. So you don't think that's quite such a bad idea after all? No, I think I think that's absolutely spot on. And we all expect Newcastle United to spend money, bring in players. So they'll want players going out the he's other way. He's going to be stepping further down the pecking order. Exactly. He might be. He's 32. I've just looked it up. So right. he's going to be at that stage where he wants to definitely play. He doesn't want, probably want to go somewhere where he's going to have to compete for his spot. So it might be somewhere, yeah, where he, he's going to be starting. Can you imagine week. starting with Dwight Gale and saying, Dwight, give us 70 minutes of what you know you can do. And then Chris, come on for the last 20. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Or Dwight yep. Gale and Andy Vyman up front for part of the game. I think it would make every sense. And um, I'm sure they'll be looking at plenty of options like that and seeing what, what's available in the market and, and, and try and do something like that. But the only thing I would say, Dave, is that I, I really do think, as we were saying before, that their problems are, are more at the back than at the front. And, yeah. um, and the, the really they've got to find a way of, of stopping the goals because um, yeah. I know they've they they rarely score more than one goal at home and that's a big problem, but but they've they've got one of the worst defensive records in the league and and uh, unless they they patch that up then then yeah, yeah. and you'd think that but if Bates is fit and what have you through you've got to say it's down to the coaching now you said early on in this uh, in, in this interview as we sort of move towards the end you you question whether Nigel was um, the right man to bring on some of the youngsters. It's a three-year plan, yeah? Here we are at the halfway stage of the season, 27 points. If we replicate that, 54 for the season. 
that's going to get us probably a finish between 18th and 14th, typically. Yeah. How do you think the second half of the season's going to go? Do you think it will be dependent on transfers? And if if nothing happens, which is what Chris was suggesting, because they don't want to spend there's COVID, more COVID uncertainty, with what we've got, and assuming that Williams is only available for half the games, but not available till the end of January. So that's sort of like another six games away. Yeah. Do you think we're going to better our first half tally or do you think we're going to be looking at a season total between 50 and 54 points and because of other clubs doing poorly or having points deductions, that's going to be enough? What do you think? How are your nails? Because, yeah, I, I see it as the last option there. I think it will be a close run thing. I think they they definitely need to do something for me in January because it's just, for me, they've got that little four-point buffer at the moment from the bottom six. And I agree with you and Chris. I think they've probably just got enough to steer clear of the bottom six. But I wouldn't want to... I'm not too sure if I was in the Lansdowne's position, I'd, I'd want to necessarily gamble on that being the case, depending on what happens maybe over the next few games. They've got a tough little run, obviously, looting away next and, and some other tricky games. QPR at home, Fulham yeah. away. That's the next three league games, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd maybe see how those pan out. And as long as they keep to their average of whatever the points per game that they're getting at the moment, I would guess it's around 1.4 or something yeah. like that. I don't and if know. you look at the last six games, it's eight points from six games, you know. So we're accused on FBC of knee-jerking on a result-by-result basis, which, fair enough, hold our hands up. If you look at the last six games, who wins two draws, two defeats? That over a season is 54 points, funnily enough. There you go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So as long as they maintain the current trajectory um, trajectory that they're on, I would I would I would still probably look to I, I think a club should be looking to improve every single window in at least one player. Because um, no, ideally, you would send out some of the younger players on loan. And no, Nigel Pearson didn't want to do that, obviously, this first half of the season, but it'd be madness not to do it. Second half of the season, especially the likes of like Sam Bell and, and Riley Towler going to Grimsby, non-league football. Mm-hmm. Those guys, I, I, Brian Sinian has worked miracles before getting some of these guys league loans and that. He, he can do the same. And it's so beneficial, not just for the players' development, for, but for the club as well, because you can then sell them for a decent um, bit of money down the road if they do all right as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they've got to look to improve. I'd be worried if they don't do any business um, and if they have a couple of bad results before January and then don't do any business, I think it's going to be a very bumpy ride from here to the end of the season. Do you think Nigel's got, I mean, the stomach? Because I think, I've, I've felt the last few games, he's come back, seems a bit invigorated and maybe he's not been on it in the way that he should be. But, you know, do you think Nigel's got the stomach and the desire to see it through? I've seen him interview with you and everybody who interviews him. After Every interview is a like a rueful chuckle at the beginning of, a, well, you know, we are, you know does, it, does he need it? Does he really need it? And will he see the plan through? What does he need other than money? And no football manager's got money. What needs to change for him to take us back to where we were four years ago, which is a top eight championship side. 
yeah, I think he's got the stomach for it. I think he's a fighter, Nigel Pearson. There's no way he'd want to give this up. I, I don't see him as that kind of character. And I know he's walked away from uh, other jobs and, and or maybe not got on quite so well with the, the people running the club. But I know that he does down at Bristol City. I know that he enjoys it um, at the Robins. And he, he's there's no way, in my opinion, um, that he's going anywhere uh, anytime soon. And as I said, sort of at the beginning, I think it's a, a tough year overall, uh, a transitional year. Uh, it'll be when you're a fan, you just can't switch off and come back in a year's time, unfortunately. But but that, but that might be the ideal situation if anybody could. But but yeah, I, I just think they've, they've got to keep building. I think you've got to give him time. Uh, I, I did say earlier on, and I do stick by, I'm not entirely 100% sure that he's the right man to bring through these young guys and because they must get the recruitment right. That is the fundamental as well. And do you think do you think he will go out and get a director of recruitment? Because we've got a very different back office now because we had Mark Ashton who had a finger in every single pie. Yeah. And then we went from him and we've, we, I don't know what our scouting's like at the moment. I think you reported today that uh, was it Sheffield United have picked up a youngster from uh, Mangelsford, Miguel Freckleton. Yeah. Do you think Nigel will bring in? I mean, he got rid of Dowlett. Well, got rid. They moved on Downing and Simpson. He's got Curtis uh, Fleming uh, alongside him now. Do you think they will get a director of recruitment, or do you think he's happy with Sean Gillespie? And Sean is probably gives him facts rather than opinions. And there's a subtle difference there when it comes to a player. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I, I, it was obviously it came about in the summer that. They weren't going to bring in anybody in that specific recruitment role, a bit more senior. But I do wonder, yeah, if they might look at that next summer. Obviously, Steve Walsh um, worked with uh, Nigel Pearson so memorably up at Leicester City. And um, it might be that someone like that is available this this coming summer. Sometimes, this is the other thing from a, a fan's point of view, sometimes I like to see clubs plan well. I like them to, to see them setting things up. It might have been the, the case that Bristol City have got someone in mind, but they couldn't get them last summer, but they can get them this next coming summer. And that, But they're going to be patient and get the man that they, they want, that they can think yeah. can deliver success. So, yeah, I wonder if they might review that. I, I think it's paramount, though, that they get the, the buying and selling right because they just haven't done that. That. it's been their downfall over the last few years and and yeah that's why <laughs> and, that, and that's why we are where we are it has come down to it has come down to uh recruitment uh and it, being in that myself as a professional game you know it is it is an art not a science and other clubs have done uh, very well gregor it's been great to uh, speaking with you um we'll do this again you've been on a couple of times before or been on once before and it's been a really great conversation i will say cheerio on the recording and then i'll just wrap up after we've done that but uh, gregor mcgregor of gregor mcgregor even of bristol world thank you for your half season Thanks.